Yo, what's happening? This is your boy Derek Miner, and you're listening to the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. Yeah, I know a couple dealers, dealers. and a couple game bangers. bangers. Try to run off with their money guaranteed, they'll steal you with the stainless. Uh-huh. Uh, Master used to call us monkeys, yeah. till we started clipping with bananas. Uh, yeah. Throwing seeds at your head, <laughs> now your melon fruit salad. Whole body full of rage, rage. whole soul full of pain. When hurt people hurt people, you gon' hear that shit from the gauge. Yeah, I'm talking about race, and any topic I can think. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. I am your host, Josh McCabe. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I am super pumped about this episode today, super pumped about the guests that we have on. I know you're going to love this interview with uh, my buddy Derek Miner. He, man, he brought the heat today. So um, today, I mean, (laughs) you may be listening, maybe the evening right now, maybe two o'clock in the morning, and that is the beauty of the podcast. You can listen whenever you want. It can be on your commute to work. It can be while you're at the gym. It can be while you're doing stuff around the house, whenever that might be. If you're like me, I typically am a podcast listener. Well, definitely not a podcast listener at the gym because the gym and me do not currently coexist. But when I'm making dinner around the house or just doing stuff around the house, I love to throw on a podcast and I love to just journey into the story of the podcast, whatever it might be about. And where they are hard of this is that you would be able to dig deeper with some of your favorite artists and even some artists that you've never heard of before. The whole point is that you would get to know their journey. You get to know where they came from, where they're going, and some of the things in their life that have really shaped who they've become as an artist and as a believer. So that's what this podcast is all about. It's why we call it Beyond the Music because we're going Beyond the music. And before we get to our next guest on this podcast, I got to tell you, I've been trying to schedule this man for a little bit. And when I started this podcast, I immediately thought, who are some people that I, I currently know and, and have a bit of a relationship with that I know have something to say? And I'm telling you, Derek Miner has something to say. And he is not shy about saying exactly what he feels like needs to be said. And I have so much respect for him, not only as an artist, uh, but as a man who's just standing up for what he believes in, speaking it out and trying to challenge um, both people within the church and outside of the church uh, with his message. And you're going to love the conversation that we have today. The gentleman that I'm going to be interviewing here, I got to know him a few years ago, and we've kept in touch ever since, and he is as real as they come. He is not only talented, he's a multi-award winning artist and nominee. He's even got a Grammy to his name. But that's enough of me talking about this guy. Let's head on into my conversation with Derek Miner on the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. Who you know shining in these streets like a light? All right, so here I am, and I got my boy Derek Miner on the line. And maybe, maybe it's too early in our friendship to call you my boy, but dude, you uh, when I met you a few years ago, you you made me feel like I'd known you for about ten years. So how you doing, man? <laughs> man, I'm doing great. Nah, we homies, man. That's what it is. It's love. Yeah, man. Well, I'm, I mean, I. I was on Winter Jam with you. Um, I was working for a sponsor at the time. I think it was like back in, I don't know, maybe 2014. Yeah. And, um, and man, I was just sitting in catering, and we just got talking, and, and you gave me a little quick quick schooling on um, 
on hip hop and rap and 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 the culture, the different kinds that come out of the different regions. And we'll man, we'll get into that in a bit because. Uh, <laughs> Man, I, you're a wealth of knowledge in that, but uh, you're, you're coming to me right now from Nashville, Tennessee. Is that right? Yeah. Uh huh. And you just live. You live a little bit outside the city. You got a home studio there, which you're recording. We we moved our time around today because you've got some kids in school that that you need to get off to school. So yeah, tell me about your kids. Tell me about your family. Man, so um, I'm married, one woman. You know what I mean? I'm not a polygamist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I got um, I got a, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, two boys, uh, Nolan and Zane. Nolan's the oldest, uh, and they're they're amazing, man. I I I find myself just enjoying my time with them more than I do anything else, man. So it's been cool. Like so, they've been off for a month. Uh, but they they're tired of each other right now, so they were fighting all day yeah. yesterday. So they're like, man, let's get back to school, Dad. My, you know, it's crazy when your oldest is like, Dad, I can't wait to go back to school. You like, all right, oh man. <laughs> you know, it's like once the kids get in school, it's it's like um, it, my my wife and I, when our our kids, when both our kids finally were in, in school, we just kind of looked at each other one day. It's like, do you want to go for lunch or something? Like, yeah, what, what do we what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it feels, man. It's like, hold up, what's going on here? Totally, you, get, you start having afternoon dates instead of evening dates because babysitting gets expensive. Yeah, it's wild, man. So, yeah, man, I'm just loving, I'm just loving life, man, and just loving everything, man. Like, it's been a blessing. I, I, I have no complaints. Life is great. Well, you're in the, in the studio right now working on some stuff, and and I feel like you're probably one of the hardest working guys in the industry because every time. Every time um, we connect or, or whatever, you always got new stuff to show me. And, and so what are you working on right now? Man, so right now I'm chilling. Uh, you know, I, mm. I just released the third project out of my Up and Away series. Uh, it was called The Trap. So uh, I finished. It's a four-part series for those that don't know. Uh, first one was called Your Soul Must Fly. The second one called High Above. And the last one called The Trap. So in the, in the for, final fourth piece, will be called by any means. So if you uh, put it together, it says, your soul must fly high above the trap by any means. So I finished that, and, man, we're, we're working on the rollout, getting that done. And right now, I'm just creating, keeping my tools sharp and producing for other people uh, yeah. right now. So it's, it's, it's cool, though. It's, it's, it's a good pace for me right now. Well, I mean, I, I, I loved the concept of, of your soul must fly high above the trap by any means. And because when the first one came out, uh, I saw the cover and I was a little bit like I was a little bit confused. I was trying to figure out what, what this whole thing was all about. And and now that I, I see it in its its um, later stages, you now realize that this is kind of a piece of a puzzle that's being put together. So tell me how that all all goes together. Well, um, it was crazy. I was in a hotel room. Uh, after a show and kind of thinking about what the next phases were going to be and I just want I came up with this that line your soul must fly high above the trap by any means I it just kind of kept harassing me so I woke up uh, and I just started jotting down notes so from that I, I saw it as a big puzzle piece and I had to think man who could do the artwork justice so you know the my man Don Clark from Invisible Creature me and him are buddies he did my 
I think he did my best album cover I've ever had uh, off of my album Minerville. And I was like, he's the only person I could think who could finish this off in a way. So I sent it to him and, and man, he came, he, he literally did the cover, the concept for it in like a couple hours. And I was like, wow, that's it. So we, we just started putting meat on the bones and all that stuff and fast forward and now everything looks great. <laughs> Oh man, it's 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 clever. I love it, and we'll we'll get into the songs uh, on that on those projects in a minute because there is a uh, a lot of a lot of content and a lot of a lot of talking points that we can go to on that. But yeah. this podcast has always been the the heart of it has really been like, man, we can talk about your new single, we can talk about your new tours, we can talk about all that stuff, and we will talk about that because that stuff's good stuff. But we, I rather know more about who Derek Minor is mm. and obviously life growing up uh is a huge factor in yeah. who we become as 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 men or women and adults and parents and um so tell me about about growing up. Yeah, so that's that's cool. I'm originally from Pontiac, Michigan, which they call Little Detroit. So it's right outside of Detroit, uh suburb of Detroit and but it's not suburban <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was kind of crazy. So that's where I'm from. But I was raised in a small town called Columbia, Tennessee. So that's okay. that that's in the country. So I had this weird upbringing where it was I spent my summers with my dad in the city, and then I spent you know the rest of my time with my mom uh, in the country. So I kind of had this culture. Con- constant culture shock <laughs> where it's wow, like yeah. you're in the middle of the woods and it's rebel flags and and all this crazy stuff and then you go to the the city and it's like um you know it's 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 this suburban everything you think quote-unquote suburban so um wow my mom raised me uh she was a single mom for the most part i had a stepfather but he has some addiction issues and my dad has some addiction issues. So we kind of dealt with that. So it kind of, I kind of, that's why you hear a lot of that in my music about drugs and, and, and different things like that, because that's what I saw growing up and that's what I wrestled with. So I kind of write from my heart and what I've seen. Uh, And that's why you hear the things that my commentary on race, those come from real places. It's not, it's not me reading a book and rapping about what I've read. It's what I've actually experienced as a person. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, the books brought clarity to my feelings a lot of times, as right. opposed to me reading a book and saying, oh, guys, this is happen- happening. Let me uh, begin to try to sound smart. It's no, this is the clarity that I got. So for me, that's kind of my upbringing. It was uh, it was all over the place, I guess, you know, is between growing up in black church and living in the middle of the woods and then living in the city and drugs and all that's different stuff. It was it was crazy, but man, God used it to mold me to the person I am today, which is beautiful. So it wasn't all I I don't want to feel doom and gloom cuz man, I I I love growing up, man. I I man, my mom did a great job. My dad and my stepdad were great people. Uh and what I've realized in my latter years is that Everyone has their issues, you know what I mean? Yeah, and and some are different than others, but most of those issues manifest from pain. Um, mm. And they met, and, and we all find different ways to cope with it. So some of us find productive ways. Like some of us may not be, uh, you know, drug addicts, but some of us may be workaholics. And that's how we 
manifest our pain and, and others are drug addicts others addicted to whatever we all have our issues and things so uh yeah. that's what i've learned at, at, in my older latter age you know well you mentioned you mentioned stepdad and your dad um when when did your parents split or were, were they together or, yeah no nah, they, they never would yeah so my my mom and dad uh they never were married so yeah. um and she moved me to tennessee when i was seven six or seven so it was kind of one of those things where you know is you know it's my dad i i you know i didn't really know much about marriage and then my mom she married my you know my stepdad when i was like 10 or 11 right. so um they stayed together uh, up until he passed away so yeah and, and tell me about like i don't i don't ask this question lightly but tell me tell me about growing up as a kid uh, with people in your life who are addicts and, and struggling and battling uh, those demons? It was hard um, in that sense. I guess in one sense, it's like when I would be around my dad or stepdad when they weren't on drugs, they were amazing. Like my stepdad was hilarious, yo. Like mm. he would make fun of people and be so funny. Like he was one of those guys that, man, like he's he's like six foot four, uh, he used to play football for UT, and he was just an athlete in, a, in every sense of the word, just like a jock. So wow. everything was funny. Everything was cool. But then, you know, he'd be gone for like a week or so at a time on like binges, uh, drug binges. Wow. And then from that, what would happen is he'd come home, and then because his conscience was eating at him because he felt bad, he didn't really have anyone to show him how to about forgiveness or how to forgive himself. You know, not mm. you know, not only just you know us forgiving him, but how how to forgive yourself. So then from that, he I think he'd go through like slight depressions, or he would be off putting in a sense, like uh, uh, you know he he'd get angry with me. You know, I think sometimes he would take out some of his frustration on me uh, at times, but it was frustration he had with himself. So yeah. um, and that's why I learned I learned all this in my thirties. You know, when you're when you're just 15, you're like, dang, why is dude tripping? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then he becomes the bad guy. But then as you get older, and then you have your own struggles, then you realize, oh, I see what this is. What this is is that he didn't he had he didn't have someone to teach him how to forgive himself. And you know, me being a, uh, a Christian and you know, believer in Christ, like that's the main thing that you hear him preach about. Or talk, teach about in, in the Gospels is, is forgiveness, whether it's forgiveness with Yah, the Father, or whether it's forgiveness with one another. It says all the commandments are on on two things: love God with all your heart and love your brother as yourself. So yeah, and and from that, when you see that, then that's how you learn to forgive yourself. You know what I mean? That's how you learn that you know if God is forgiving me, then why can't I forgive myself? So from that, as I learned that, I'm like, man, I. It's, it's almost like sometimes I wish I could go back in those times and be more gracious and loving to him and show, I wish I could show him how to forgive himself, you know? And man, that's, that's something that like I, I've seen in so many years as, as being a pastor and even in my own journey that like the enemy's major, well, his only tool is lies. And if he can lie to you and make you feel like you're, your thing is bigger than what Christ did on the cross, then then he keeps you in this this holding pattern, you know? Like and where where essentially you just keep you keep repeating the same mistakes and Absolutely. Um, man, so many stories come come out though of of guys who've grown up in 
in situations like that and the cycle perpetuates in their life moving forward. So so how did you, uh, Derek, break the cycle for you and for your family moving forward? I didn't. It was Christ. <laughs> ah, like, quite, amen quite, to that, man. Quite honest, I, I wish I could duplicate or I could package that up and give it to everyone, but there's no 10 steps I could give you or, or one step, man. It's been... It's a prog it's even a process now for me. Um, you know, with my with my with my family, you know, it's it's like the more I study, the more I learn about Yah, the more I learn about Yeshua, Jesus, like the more I learn about him, the more I wanna model that. And then the more I've learned not just, you know, different rules and regulations and things of that nature, but the more I actually learn how much he actually loves me, how much he actually cares for me, how much I'm actually valued, then from that, my confidence begins to grow in the sense that I could just live a life that's free. Um, and that's why, you know, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So, you know, I've been chasing liberty. I've been chasing freedom. I've been removing things in my life that make me less free. And that's kind of if there was any step, I would say for anyone out there that's like, man, I want to forgive. You know, I, I think you know, I had a friend tell me this. I was struggling with this specific sin and he this thing that just I couldn't feel like I couldn't get over it. And he said, man, the problem is you're obsessed with trying to fix yourself. He said, you need wow. to be obsessed with Jesus. And as you become more obsessed with him, you'll begin to process and things will become easier for that. So that really kind of stuck with me early on in my faith. And now as a, uh, as I'm more mature, I'm realizing what he meant. It's, it's, man, you know, I don't read the Bible out of some sort of obligation because you know paul says in galatians that anything that's not done of faith is sin so it's like if i don't have this desire this burning desire to read or pray like if i'm just doing it out of obligation and to make myself look better then i you know it becomes the thing that becomes good become, could even become bad for you um so for me i'm like reading the bible because i'm like man i i need to learn and grow and because i want more freedom i want more liberty and Man, the more I pray, the more I read, the more that's and that's been that's what it's been for me, you know. Yeah, man, and, and like I was challenged in this the other day, and primarily for my wife, who who you know, thank God for godly women in our lives, yeah. you know, that <laughs> that you know give give us a slap around uh, when when we're being you know moody or grumpy, but also when we're not when we're not pursuing God, and and I just was I was frustrated about a bunch of stuff, and. I was just telling her how that I felt like all these people had let me down. And, and then, you know, I started treating her like she had let me down and she hadn't at all. And she just looks at me and goes, when was the last time you were in the word? Hey. Like, you're, and I'm like, man, like she goes, you're frustrated because you are looking to everybody else to fill this gap in your life that, only Jesus is meant to sit in. Let me ask you this. When yeah. when you're when you're in that place and you're going, man, I need I need to be filled. I need to I need to go to God. I need to go to uh, spend some time with Jesus. How does that look for you specifically? Constant prayer. Um I try to snap myself I try to remind myself that I don't have the ability in my in and of myself to give myself just peace. Cause think about that. People that are tormented and frustrated, like 
if they could give themselves peace, they would. No one would live in torment and frustration. You know what I mean? Um, Right. But for for some of that for us is realizing what is the object of our torment and frustration and letting it go. Yeah. You see what I mean? So, uh, and and the thing is, if you want to hold on to that, like God's not going to snatch it from you. But there's been times I prayed. I was like, God, snatch this from me. You know what I mean? And I think Mm -hmm. as, as we do that, like, he hears our prayers and, and walks us along with that. But for me, a lot of that was unforgiveness. So same deal kind of with what you said. There's people that's wronged us. And if, if you live long enough, um, you're going to get wronged by people. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, that's just what it is. But, you know, when you look in the scriptures, it talks about that. Um, talks about many of you have been turned over to the tormentors because of your unforgiveness. And I know in myself, I had unforgiveness with my pops unforgiveness yeah. with people that done me wrong in business, uh, unforgiveness with people that done me wrong at churches. Like, if you just live long enough, you're going to be frustrated with somebody. And I had to remind myself, or I needed, you know, God to remind me that, man, look, let that stuff go. Pray for, That's why the Lord tells us to pray for our enemies, not necessarily just out of some obligation, but because your enemies are hurting and mm. they're hurting you out of their hurt. They're hurting you out of their pain. Like they're your enemy because they don't even realize how to forgive themselves. They're enemies. Of, they're enemies of themselves. They're getting in their own way. So uh, for me, I, like in that sense, I had to let go of unforgiveness. And I got to a place where I was like, look, I'm not holding nothing against anyone because that stuff is toxic. Um, and trying to live in that space where... I'm aware of where my frustrations come from and and what's putting this separation between me and God, you know? So if it's unforgiveness or if it's, uh, if it's whatever gluttony, whatever it is, man, you know, in the old Testament, it talks about if you follow the Lord's commandments, you'll be blessed. So it's like, for me, I'm trying to live in that space, you know, where I'm, blessed by constantly just doing what he asked me to do and living a life that's honorable to him well man um i feel like there needs to be a Derek minor book about uh <laughs> <laughs> about spiritual living man because i feel i feel like you are speaking to so many people and just uh and just the way you live and the way you carry yourself and and man um it's not just your music uh, that's influential but just you as a person and when you speak people listen and uh Man, I admire that about you. But I want to I want to talk about your music for a second because yeah. um, obviously your relationship with Christ is is a huge influence in your music. Um, but but what other things have influenced uh, you musically, not just lyrically, but but even stylistically? Man, I I love dope music, man. So uh, obviously hip hop. I mean, I'm a huge fan of everyone, and for me. Um, even, you know, a lot of times, especially guys that have been doing it for a while, the new artists that come out, they're like, oh, they're not doing this. And I love all, like, I'm literally a fan of music right now. I listen to the new stuff. I listen to the old stuff. So, uh, that's kind of, for me, as far as hip hop, that's my basis is, um, you know, if we're talking stylistically, I just listen to, to everything. And, and if there's artists I like. You know, I, I ask myself, why do I like this artist? And then from that, I begin to study and, 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 and add pieces to my craft that that person is doing correctly. And then also, I have a pretty diverse palette. So I'm a huge jazz mm. jazz fan. I wow. love, okay. uh, yeah, I love symphonies. Um, 
And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to ask you what what is something that you have listened to in the last week that that you think might shock people that they're they'd be like that uh, I did not picture that. <laughs> uh, I listened to the soundtrack of the good, the bad, and the ugly by Ennio. Um, wow. Yeah. So you know, like one of my favorite joints is uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's the it's this one called uh, the Ecstasy of Gold. So okay. uh, if you go back to Jay Z's album, he sampled it. Uh, it was a long time ago, but Ecstasy of Gold is like it's it's one of the most beautiful compositions I've ever heard. Um, wow. If you get a chance to listen to it, but that it's another record called uh, Donald Bird and the Voices, and uh, a specific song is called uh, Cristo Rendentor, I think is how you pronounce it, or The Black Disciple. But pretty much what it is is jazz music, but he took a gospel choir and mi- and and mixed that in, and it, he did it in the seventies, I believe it was in the seventies. But yeah, wow. man, that's kind of the uh, that's what I'm on, man. <laughs> Well, man, whatever you got to do to stay inspired and keep it fresh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, tell me sort of about, like, how would you describe, um, like, how would Derek Minor describe Derek Minor's music? How would I describe it? I would describe it as diverse. Um, I would describe it as from the heart. And I would describe it as polished. Um, hmm. That's the that probably be the three descriptors I would use. Um, I, I mean, I love like if you listen to every album, no album sounds the same. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I I don't in, like I get bored when people ask me to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I just do what I like um, at the moment. So yeah, man, that, that's how I would say. Yeah, you kind of reference it a little bit in the name of the record, uh, the trap. Mm-hmm. But but describe some of those influences um, because uh, you're talking to a guy here who appreciates and loves hip hop and appreciates and loves your music and and will listen to it but may not know the history of the sounds and and what exactly how to describe what I'm listening to so so help me understand some of those stylistic things around hip hop music give me give me the give me the quick hip hop history lesson right now here on the podcast yeah so um if you were to listen to the trap first off trap music originated in atlanta um okay if you listen to all the way back to from goody mob to outcast they were talking about the trap but what really popularized it was ti and gucci man gucci man <laughs> is what, mm-hmm. who really uh popularized the term uh the trap so and it's really about music about people who are either selling drugs or trying to survive in that type of environment. So I took that concept and I flipped it. And, you know, for me it was, okay, one, we're all trapped because sin is the biggest trap of all. It's the one that, like, when you think about people selling dope, it's like, okay, I know I'm doing something that could ruin my life, but at the same time I think I'll find hope and peace right. in this in the sense that I make money. Well, we all do that. You know, some of our traps is, like I said, workaholic. Some of our traps is alcohol. Some of our traps is is, is uh, sexual. You know, it, the, the, yeah. insert your trap there, and, and there it is. Uh, and you rarely find the true fulfillment that you're looking for. So that's the... Uh, the mental concept if you're talking about the sonic concept it's really i call it trap caviar so uh it's like taking the trap genre and then i on five songs we had like 
I mean, I had a, a five piece uh, string. Uh, what's that? A quintet? A five piece string quintet? Yeah, yeah I think that's what you would call quintet? it. Quintet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, something, something along those lines. Was, I know it was five pieces. So, and then also I had some more of the the creative and things like that. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's it's my spin on trap music. It's like if. If I'm gonna do trap music, this is what I want it to sound like. I, I like it because uh, the sound the sounds fresh and and it's it's where people are at and it's where uh, hip hop uh, fans it's what they want to hear. And I, I like it too because it, it doesn't and I say this in the right way it doesn't sound Christian. <laughs> and uh, there there is right. such a I mean there can be such a um, I guess pull to be tamer. Uh, to reach a more mass appeal, have you ever felt that that pull or pressure to to be a little more tame? Nah, um, I've always been a renegade. If you ask my mom, she'll tell you. Like, so I remember uh, in church one day I started rapping, and my mom said she was at we was at this convention. So it's it's like it was in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. It was a bunch of people from all over the southeast. And this guy walks into the main service. There was like youth people, youth in a different part of the um, building, and uh, the older people were in the main session. And this man walks in and says, "We need to pray for our children. They're in there doing the devil music, and all <laughs> of that stuff, and and all that." And uh, my mom says, "I wonder whose kid is doing that." And then it turns out it was me. So yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> so she's like, "What are you doing?" And then it, uh, and I was just like, "Yo, you know, you got me out here. I love rap. I don't even want to be here. So I'm just doing my thing. You know what I'm saying?" Um, my, my mom cracks this joke about her dragging me to church. Uh, but anyhow, I've never been. A, I've never really cared as much if I did what I loved or did what I believed is right. And and it rubbed people the wrong way. Um, it, right. You know, everyone experiences a degree of frustration with that, you know. But at the end of the day, I always lean on the side of, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So <laughs> I don't really feel the pressure to try to make people feel comfortable. I feel the pressure to do what what's in my heart. You know what I mean? Well, man, I, f- <laughs> I feel like we've already gone, uh, gone pretty deep in this podcast already. But we're going to take things to another level because... Man, I usually ask this question to artists. I go, I'm, I'm usually curious if there's ever a lyric that you wanted to write or you wrote and then changed because, you know, you were worried about it being misinterpreted or uh, being too strong or, or maybe taking off the wrong people. But it doesn't feel like you're afraid to write anything. Nah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm trying to, I'm actually going through my head trying to think of a lyric that I would be like, I rewrote. But even that, and like, I can't, man, I can't I was, think of one. I was, I was going through just some, uh, go, re- refreshing because you know I've, I've listened to uh, your last uh, couple of projects. I, I think there's three of them. Uh, yeah. The last three, and I, I've put them on the car. But as I started reading the lyrics, I'm like, dang, this guy's not afraid to say what he thinks. I, I like this. This is <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, I think that's why I think that's probably what made, you know, the bad Christian podcast reach out to me because they're like, yo, you're like the <laughs> black version of us. <laughs> so, like, yeah, started, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, 
Nah, I don't like I'll try to I think if I've rewrote anything, it's not because of the idea, it's because of the clarity. So there's right. there'll be times when I'll have a lyric and I'm like, that's not clear. Someone could misinterpret what I'm saying, but I rarely will rewrite so I don't. I can't think of a time that I thought something would, needed to be said and I wasn't going to say it. But I will yeah. think about how to say it so that it's not offensive and that it's clear. You know, like I'll let the truth do the offending. I don't want to do it. Do the offending. You know what I mean? Well, man, there's the the song that stuck out the most to me, and and I pulled up the lyrics as as I was listening to it. Um, Last night, I was, I was sitting down in my room, and my wife came in. I was listening to your uh, your song, and she she starts trying to hip hop dance, and it was it wasn't good. Um, but oh, yeah, we love when we love that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was. I mean, if I had filmed it for Instagram, I would I'd be a dead man today. You'd have to find my body somewhere. But um, dude, I the song it is what it is. Yeah, man, I. I read the f- just the chorus and I go, okay, that's deep. I read the first verse and I was I wasn't sure I was ready for any more. I was like, man, you just hit me <laughs> on a few levels. So tell me tell me about writing that song, man. <clears throat> yeah, that actually was uh created from an actual conversation. Someone wow. that's really close to me was selling drugs at the time and we were talking about it and in his mind, he literally had no other option. Quite honestly, his logic wasn't, it wasn't really flawed. Um, you know, yeah. the community he was in, there was a lack of education, um, over-policing. So, you know, the over-policing affected his dad. So, you know, in his mind, uh, you know, my dad's a felon, couldn't really create opportunities for us. And then he's, you know, felons can't, a lot of people won't hire you if you're a felon, uh, can't vote, yeah. miss a lot of rights. Uh, the neighborhood he's from is poor. So mm. the idea of going to, and then the educational system is bad. So, uh, and there's people that don't really care. So even if there were scholarships, he wouldn't know about them because nobody told him, um, you know? So, and then you also thinking that's where the idea of, Hey, you know, you tell me go get a job or go to college. What do I do about feeding myself right now? You know, college yeah. is four years down the road. Everyone struggles in college. So it's like I can either sell drugs right now and take care of my family and take care of my people, or I can go to school for four years and everyone starves to death, but I got a degree. Like, it just didn't make any logic. It didn't make any logical sense. And it showed me um, how our country deals with our poor and disadvantaged. We don't really take care of them but we hold them to a standard that's beyond their means and you know he said at at the end of our convo he's like hey man i know it's it sucks man but it is what it is that's just what that's what life is about like that's how it goes Mm. for me and and from that it just took me it broke me because i didn't have an answer like i'm like (laughs) i'm like i didn't really have anything to give him like I, i i couldn't there was no i would be a fool to give him some hey man just just pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Like Martin Luther King said, it's one of the most cruel things to do to tell a a, a man with no boots to pick himself up by his bootstraps. Wow. A bootless man. Tell a bootless man to pick himself by his bootstraps. And I said, I mean, that that's literally what we're told, right? For everyone that commits crimes and is poor. Like they tell us in America being poor is a choice. And it's not. It's not a, it's not a choice at all. It's. No one would choose to be poor. Yeah. You know, people are, they're born into it and it's handed down from their parents and 
they're going to hand it down to their children unless something miraculous happens. Um, and we have to realize that. Well, man, like I, I live up in Canada. That's been, that's been home for me and, and growing up, uh, in the suburbs of Toronto and we, we have our issues in Toronto. We, we have our, our issues with crime and, um, and gangs and, and violence and, and drugs and, and poverty, you know, you name it, but we don't, I, I gotta be honest. I, I feel, I feel a little bit unaware being a white Canadian male living in the suburbs, uh, you know, with the Walmart and, and living in the place where you don't even lock your door at night because it's just a neighborhood, safe neighborhood. And, and, you know, everything kind of, you know, you feel like you're going to see Mr. Rogers walking down the street, what giving you a wave, like, you know, (laughs) that, that, that's my upbringing and that's my background. So that becomes my lens. And I feel like a, a lot of people may have that lens, but, but it doesn't feel like that that's an accurate lens of what a lot of people live with and deal with on a daily basis, just as you described. Um, so how can you describe uh, being a, a black male in today's climate in America? Uh, I can describe it as frustration. Um, yeah, I think our history has been wiped away. Um, like, I don't know where I came from prior to 1619. Um, so our language, our culture, everything was stolen from us. Uh, and then post uh, the Emancipation Proclamation and post-Civil War, we were thrown in jail with Jim Crow laws. And, and then, you know, our fathers were imprisoned over things like gathering together in public or yeah. your house being dirty. Like, they could take you to jail for things like that. Um, and the, <laughs> Right. I mean, like, actually take you to jail because you didn't show up to work on time. You know, your boss could send you to jail. These are Jim Crow laws. Um, so when you think about that, and then you also think about the dehumanization of the black man that is continuing now in, in the world, which is just, it's a lesser version of Jim Crow laws, but still the ideology is the same for a lot of people, which is, hey, these black guys are just lazy. Um, that mm. that's a slave mentality. That's that's a slave master's mentality. Yeah, which the slave master brings slaves over, makes them work for free, and then is calls them lazy because they don't want to work for free. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you know what I mean. So it's like that ideology has been passed down. Then also, you know, when you think about wealth in America, we were prevented redlining prevented us from getting loans to start businesses, mm. while um, the government actually gave farmers in the South loans to start businesses, taught them how to work the land, sent them to college for working the land. Right. And black people had had no access to those things. Um, And then they was, you know, I hear people say things like, um, well, black people tear their communities up and all those different things. But every community uh, after slavery that actually did well was tore down. Like prime example is um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, which they had their own banking system, had their own had great. um, (laughs) They had great neighborhoods. They were doing well. The government actually came in and tore that neighborhood down with fire. Wow. Along with the people there. Uh, Or you think in New York and Central Park, uh, they needed more land. There were land, black landowners in in a middle class neighborhood in Manhattan. 
and they literally tore down, they kicked those people out of their homes that they owned and built a park on top of it. It's called Central Park. Hmm. Um, so when you think about all those things and then you hear what people say today and you hear the rhetoric about us and our history, the good parts of our history have been wiped away and the bad parts of our history are, are on television at all times, or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Right. All I, can, I say is fr- it's frustrating. You know what I mean? Um, it's frustrating. But at the same time, there's a beauty in that is because, you know, our skin is thick. Yeah. <laughs> I, if it's anything, it's, it's that, is that our skin is thick. And some of the things that you've seen, rap music, our art, our creativity, like when you think of jazz was created literally because black people couldn't go to, we couldn't go to, um, to school and college to learn how to create orchestra music. So that's how jazz was created. Wow. Like, so necessities and things like that, like those types of situations created, gave us a different level of creativity and, 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 and temperament that make us have to, you know, it made us have to improvise and learn how to be creative. And, you know, like, again, it's, it's one of those things that I find, um, because Canada has its its problems, absolutely. Um, but I would say the 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 racial tension here is is not at all uh, what it is south of us. Um, but I, I read an interview that you did uh, because you you know you you've really become an entrepreneur, a biz, a man of business, someone who who has started record labels and been a producer and an artist and and has, has done well and provided. And I've been to your house and you got a beautiful house and it's, it's, it's great. And, um, you know, you've been blessed and, and, and yet you're still so generous and humble, but you, you had this, this quote that people in your neighborhood are still trying to figure out what you do. And I, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. So, so tell me like, I mean, it's funny in a way, yeah. but, but it's, it also speaks to the conversation we're having. So tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so that was really more metaphorically yeah in a sense that you know my neighborhood you know now my neighbors know me you yeah know yeah, yeah yeah uh, absolutely it's different but <laughs> uh early on yeah it's this young black man moving into this this great house and at the time i was doing shows so i'm renting cars every week every right. other week or whatever so you know i'm pulling up with whatever it is and people are like looking around like one of my neighbors like they're like so, so what do you do yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean um but it, it was really i wanted to capture the idea that you know oftentimes when you see someone in my position mm-hmm. you know people still have that worry that i'm i'm a criminal yeah like so you know going to to stores and things like you get the extra help you know yeah people like can i help you can i help you can i help you i'm like no i'm just looking and it's like you asked me 10 times like i'm literally just looking and then as you're walking out the store they're kind of you know side eyeing you making sure you didn't steal something and it's just like it's that idea that you know y'all don't even know like i'm a christian yeah and i love you and i, I and your kids may listen to my music and are encouraged but all you see is a black man with a bald head um and and that's fright and that's frightening to you. And they wouldn't even know that you'd probably be the first guy to stand up to somebody who's trying to commit a crime, and Absolutely. and protect yeah. protect the story. You know, like that. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And, and with that, like, it's a great eye opening conversation for me to have. And and what this is this is my question as we kind of wrap up this this area of our conversation. We'll talk just a little bit about your music too. And 
Yeah. Uh, but you know, I what would you tell want me to know as a white male Christian believer, church going, Bible believing guy, what what would you want me to know about this issue of of racial tension and profiling and 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 what what not what would you say to me and what what's the thing you you would love me to understand about some of the issues you face and um and your culture faces i would say anyone that is racist doesn't have a great understanding of the gospel absolutely true i mean that's really just that's really just what i would say you know um, i think james says true religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans and our people have been orphaned more by the government than any people in the history of the world. Now, you know, even, you know, people like to bring up abortion and weaponize that to talk about black people. But I mean, abortion was literally a plot by people to to either sterilize black mothers or kill black children. So it's like when even in that sense, white people's hands are not clean in that effect either, because that was actually a systematic plot to to sterilize black women and also kill black children so it's it's like literally like this world was built on white like i we i call america was a racial caste system um and when you see the effects of that you're 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 not here to judge you should be broken by that and then the next step would be okay well what do i do about it what you do about it is risk being ostracized for the gospel and the gospel is to the orphans and the widows. So yes, um, we, everyone does crimes, black people, white people, any people, they do crimes like that's, that's just what it is. But, and I'm not telling you to advocate for people being criminals. What I'm telling you to advocate is when black people tell you, Hey, these laws are oppressing us. Listen to them. Yeah. Like, don't just brush it off as, Oh, that's just black people trying to get trying to take advantage of a system um, because I don't want anything more than what I should have, you know, mm. but you have to think who had like this. I remember at a time people were talking about equality. I don't want equality. I want equity. Mm. See, what equity is, is this equity is if if we're trying to put everybody on the same level. But someone is, you can't have a, equity is putting everyone at the same point on the starting line. Well, black people have been at least 400 years from being at the same level as far as at the starting line with white people. So then that means that we have to do something to get black people to the same level that white people, the opportunities that white people have had. So, you know, I don't know what that looks like, uh, but back in the 90s or the early 2000s or the 2010s when we would say those things people wouldn't believe us they would say well just don't do a crime and it's like well that's it's not about doing the crime it's about justice actual justice so it's things that i'm not gonna give you all kinds of examples but we this podcast would triple in length you know. <laughs> well, man, like, and I appreciate that because I I love that you are being an advocate for for what you see and and you speak the truth and you, but you speak it with love and and that is something that I appreciate 
uh, about you. And I mean, your your latest record, Your Soul Must Fly High Above the Trap, um, three different pieces address some of these issues. And uh, man, some of your some of your best work I've ever heard. And, and a lot of people might not know that that you you've won Dove Awards, you've been nominated for Dove Awards, uh, Stellar Awards, um, you've won a Grammy as a producer. But what's the accomplishment that means the most to you that you look back in your career and say, man, that that was that was something special. Man, my greatest accomplishment. It would probably be the Empire album because that was my first album post uh, being signed to Reach Records. So I finished up my deal with Reach and then I dropped Empire and it sold more than any record I put out. So I think that would be it is that record being successful because it proved to me that I could do this with, uh, with my team and that, that, you know, that the Lord was with me and in, in, in my endeavors to build my own business. So I think that's probably my biggest accomplishment to this day. And, and yeah, you've, I mean, you're part of the reach records, uh, lineup and now you've been independent and, but you've also, uh, you got your hand in producing and, and sort of showcasing other new artists. Yeah. Who is the most skilled artist right now that, that you've had the chance to be working with lately that people just got to know about? Oh my goodness, that's that's hard. Um, <laughs> I'd say uh, artists on our label by the name of Cannon. I mean, he literally wow. produces, writes all his music, produces everything, produces for others. Uh, I mean, does most of his video treatments. I mean, he literally does every aspect of the music. So I, I'd probably give it to him, man. He's just sometimes I just look at him. I'm just like, I can't believe you know how to do all of this. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, it'd probably be canon. And you guys just got off tour recently, didn't you? Yeah. And w- tell me about that tour. How, where'd you guys go? Uh, is there any more tours coming up that, that we can get excited for? Absolutely. Yeah. It, that tour was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> In a sense of, man, we, we, this was our first tour together and it was all booked internally. So for me, we're trying to figure this thing out and, having him with me man it was it was fun it was some of the most fun i ever had but um yeah it was it was fun it was it was a grind though but uh we're starting it up again in april so i think the first show actually is in march so yeah we got a couple couple joints in march and in april we're going full force so that's a uh, part two of the it's not a game tour what what part of the uh the country or the continent or the world are you gonna be hitting on that tour everywhere bro uh we got like 20 shows right now something around that so i don't know where they're all at but they're everywhere but we're gonna start putting out the information pretty soon good 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 yeah man this has been a great conversation and and we we've talked about a lot a lot of stuff uh on this and we've covered a lot but musically you you're a guy i trust for good for good music so i i think i feel okay to trust you with our listeners right now to tell us what what's on Derek Miner's playlist what what are you listening to right now Ugh. I mean Canon you're into Canon stuff is there is there yeah. some songs by Canon in particular we got to check out Yeah I mean his last album just came out called Home it's an amazing project like it's crazy I've really been into that uh as of right now it's another artist named Montel Fish he has a project called It's Beautiful, 
And I love that record because it's pretty much like it's a, it's I don't know. You just have to listen to it. I I call it like soul worship, okay, or neo neo gospel. Like maybe if that's the thing, we're gonna call we're gonna make it a thing. <laughs> yeah, something new. And last but not least, this is an old record, but I know I don't think you guys have heard it yet. It's by a guy named Timothy Bloom. Okay, he has a project called The Beginning, and it's brilliant. So he takes literally like 50s bebop and updates it and it's crazy awesome <laughs> like dude is wild man it's like it's crazy like he does uh he does a cover of uh i think it's called nobody does it or nobody does it like you it's crazy man dude is he's insane yeah Timothy's a monster. Yeah, I'll have to check that out, man. And and dude, we're looking forward to uh, seeing where where things go next. When when is the next uh, Derek Minor project coming out? I don't know, man. We chilling, so you can take it easy. Um, All right. Yeah, I got. I mean, I have I have one done, um, and it's in the can. So we're figuring out how we're gonna roll it out. But we're just kind of taking our time with it because I want it to. I want the rollout to be special. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, as we roll out of this episode, um, I always want to leave. Oh, I know. That was not bad, huh? <laughs> but, man, I uh, I love to li- leave our listeners with something special to listen to. And I always I want you to leave us with your favorite Derek Minor track. Uh, so give us something and set us up with something to listen to on our way out of this. Yikes. My favorite track? Or it can just be one one that like when you play it live, you're just like, Man, I'm okay, I'm I'm locked in now. Yeah. Well something that feels good to you when you play it or sing it or, or whatever. I would say there's two tracks on um the trap that are my favorite and one of them is called Of Course, featuring uh my artist Byron Jawan. And the other one would be Don't Cry featuring my dude uh Aaron Cole. I think if you any one of those two will get you there. All right. Uh, or the intro, the trap intro will get you there, too. So why don't we do this? I'm going to close out this conversation uh, with Don't Cry, and then I'm going to play, of course, at the end of the episode, and we'll find the trap intro somewhere else in this episode. All right? Let's get it. All right, Derek Miner, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Leaving us here, this is Derek Miner with Aaron Cole, Don't Cry, right here on the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. I know, I know, you saw me at the worst times, you was praying all night, and I know, I know, that even when I wasn't right, you were standing by my side, cause you didn't see what everybody else saw, I bet they wish they all had your vision out, you just saw that little boy that got caught, I'm finally tuned in. Man, I told you, Derek Minor does not disappoint, he has more than a few things to say, about issues that are not only facing the church but facing us as society and it's not just an america thing i live in canada and and we see some of the same issues here but it's a worldwide thing and i think that what derek is doing is he's speaking from the heart he's speaking things that he's experienced and for me again as i said in the interview as as being a white male from canada they're issues that I can't really speak to fully because I have not experienced that in my life, but Derek has. And the people that uh, his friends and family have experienced those things. And I just really appreciate Derek being willing to to step out and, and speak his mind and, 
and and do so from a biblical perspective, which I think is huge. And so special thanks to Derek Miner for coming on the podcast. Cannot wait for him to be putting out new music. But I'll tell you, we are working on a very, very special next episode. I can't give away all the details right now, but we're going to be having more than just one guest on the next episode. And we're going to be talking about an issue that uh, may be taboo for the church a little bit historically, and maybe taboo for a lot of some of these artists to come out and, and be honest about, but it's something that's hit home for me. I know it's something that a lot of people will resonate with, and that's all the teaser I'm going to give you right now. Uh, but we we are going to take some risks and, and charter some new waters on this next episode that's going to be coming up. Should have it your way in just about two weeks. But as we close out this podcast, here's some more music from Derek Miner. Check it out. I'm Josh McCabe. This is the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Go follow us online at the Overflow BTM on Instagram. That's the Overflow BTM on Instagram. Here's a little Derek Miner for you. We'll see you next time. Of course, I ain't gotta worry about a thing anymore. I just Yeah, of course, with a kind of thorns feeling like a king. Yeah, of course, made it out the bottom. Of course, 